Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season four, episode six, Fidelity. Uh, Aaron, after second, third, fourth, I don't know, fifth watch it. <laughs> How many times you watch this thing? Uh, what do you think of it? 278 <laughs> times. And I finally am all the way down uh-huh. uh, and I'm looking up and I, I see the devil looking down at me and it's Aaron Paul. Yeah. With his face all scratched up. Uh, I yeah, I, I, I'm going to stand by what I said on the instant take. I think this uh, pr- premise and uh, conceptually is a fascinating show that I can't wait to see more of uh, the they're back to doing just some really dumb shit in terms of action, in terms of staging. Sure. Like I noticed even more stuff like. You know, once I, I got out of the, you know, the grip, the actual grip of the first watch, um, I don't know that that scene between like Cookie and Jay makes a lick of sense in context of, of, yeah. of Frankie's history with the hosts. And, you know, it's like I, I just feel like there's a lot of like magical realism staginess to the action scenes. And like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, because I thought late last year they got a handle on how to integrate that stuff, the slick sci-fi action with the storytelling and actually get people that sweat the deep. I think they're back a little bit on their bullshit this season. Um, But I I guess I, it it feels a lot like some of the shit that went on in like Legion, that FX show Mm -hmm. where it's like on one level, this very serious and interesting character study about these mutants but on the other hand, uh, it has this kind of whimsical 1960s comic book aesthetic to their security, to their computers. Uh, you might, I mean, and, and it leans way far. Like like uh, half the time in Legion, whenever there's a big battle about to take place, it would turn into like a fucking dance off or some shit mm-hmm. where it's like the show is intentionally saying this None of the actual action matters. It's the stakes between the characters and what they're trying to do. And like, this is all a psychic battle anyway that you can't really comprehend. So fuck it. We're going to have cousin Matthew from Downton Abbey cut a mean rug. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like Westworld might be better suited just to go completely into that direction. Sure. And just go like high fucking operatic because, uh, yeah, the, some of the, like I said, that uh, when the two drones come and play freeze tag, uh-huh. it's just funny it's It's just funny it's very funny but it's like i said the the stuff that's like really interesting about the show and the reason i'm watching the show um and then the other thing is a a lot of that stuff i think can be fairly hand waved away by the fact that hale wants it this way hale is engineering these situations Uh, yeah i think Uh, they've got they've gone 
to some trouble in this episode to recontextualize a lot of the like, why isn't there more surveillance of these people, of the the, the people she's trying to track down um, right. and her own people. And I think it's it's recontextualizing that it is happening. It's just not as overt as we expected because she wants she it's all in service of some further goal. And that makes right. sense. It's, it's Tarkin and Vader's plan to bug the Absolutely. Millennium Falcon and let them go writ large. And and, and I, that makes a lot of sense. And you add that combined with the fact that the ho- the the human resistance seems to have infiltrated Hale's security network to where they can like spoof things and hack into real time feeds. And I start. Yeah, like the the the, the ease of the human slipping in and out of her grids. Uh, I think is is entirely explained. So who knows? Like we might get another episode or two down the line and there's some big reveal that makes the, the fucking drone freeze tag make sense. Uh, But right now, like I said, it's, but by, I said, I, I I do also stand by that. I think that um, a lot of people who have kind of historically been annoyed by that. And, you know, I don't know. Are those people still watching the show? Um, to the extent that they've, you know, they've heard all the talk of Westworld's back, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last two weeks, they come back and they see stuff like this. And I, I can see a lot of them hitting me because like, oh, I don't give a shit about it making sense by the finale. But sure. Yeah. What did you think on your 400 or your 279th watch? Uh, I, I guess I went all the way down with this show. Uh, no, no, it's. Like I said, the, the recontextualization of stuff that I thought was stupid in previous episodes helped salve the wound of this incredibly stupid scene early on yeah. with the freeze tag. Um, mm-hmm. And the rest of it, I, I thought, was compelling, interesting. There are some like straight up, oh, that's cool type of moments in this with like loops mm-hmm. in, and like hey, Caleb following his own handprints. On first watch, I thought it was cool. On second watch, I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Um, Because we know in those moments, like, this is his own handprint. And there's just something twisty and mind-bending and cool about that concept. And then when he, you know, finds himself in the vents, like, all that stuff is awesome. Uh, And I, when I started to think about, you know, what the ending of this episode means with Hale um, and her motivations to her failures i think the the episode got a lot better too mm-hmm. uh you know how, how she talks about how petty the the things humans do are and yet it's the very things that are destroying her entire world that she's trying to build right like these small things are so exhausting are bringing her down and yet they're things we live with every day like she she's a baby trying to comprehend the world and she's she's going to get there eventually maybe if she survives this but yeah, yeah. I, all that stuff is super interesting and i'm again very impressed by this show conceptually it has its moments where it falls on its face but i think um you know from a like logistics and action standpoint but i think yeah this is a really good episode Overall, and we just talk about the art of it all. This show oh, yeah. has never looked better. I think Aaron Paul does a phenomenal job. There was a yep. thread on Reddit talking about, "Are we sure Aaron Paul's a good actor?" <laughs> First of all, shut your goddamn mouth. Uh-huh. Shut your goddamn mouth. And second of all, yes, yes, he is, and he's 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 killing it. Uh, I, I think Th- there's uh, a this tone is exactly this why they hire him for this material. Yeah, th- th- there's an ultra serious like over the top tone to this show 
um, that mm-hmm. I think like can disguise how good some of these actors are. I think Tell- Tessa yeah. Thompson's like supreme villainy, like chewing yeah, 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 the yeah, scenery yeah. kind of villainy gets a little old. She's an excellent actor. Caleb in early scenes in this episode is an excellent actor, but he's got some dialogue and at a tone that he's trying to hit that isn't impressing me. But at the end, when he's delivering that message to Frankie, I'm thoroughly impressed by that acting job. He is doing a little Christian Bale Batman with his voice, but uh-huh. like, you know, the man's pressed. Um, and I, I, I agree with her. So I think Tessa Thompson's doing a great job. I do think that maybe only Anthony Hopkins had a true handle on the yeah. villainous speechifying and yes. made it look effortless. But come and on, cool. he's like the greatest actor yeah. of our time. I mean, know? when like, Hannibal Lecter gets up there and talks and, and starts cutting robots just because, you know, he, he right. can and and talking about how they're just objects. And it turns out they, you know, he had the heroic turn at the end. But like, I think he is, uh, man, such a, such a high bar. Totally. for the the poetry of the dialogue on this show and others don't do it as well like i said i think tessa is doing a tremendous job at especially the physicality of what she's doing um mm-hmm. but uh like a, a, the the art is pretty impeachable in this show um i think oh, it's yeah. really pretty i think it's very smart uh i guess i would say it's gangly and uncoordinated when it's trying to pull off action sure but, but the production uh, design is incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible this is a beautiful show yeah. Um, and there's a ton of uh, interesting underlying things that have come up in this episode that we're going to discuss in terms of like, you know, where they go going them- thematically and uh, what they're trying to say about uh, this world that Hale has created. Uh, mm-hmm. Some tantalizing hints about the nature of Christina's world and where it might take place and does it overlap timelines. There's just mm. tons of cool shit. And we get Maeve back. Yes, which I'm oh, yes. I'm very happy to see uh, Bernard too. and Maeve together again. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. All right, let's get into the recap. Uh, we start off with a flashback. I guess, I guess this is a flashback at this point. It, it's hard to say, but yeah, flashback to young Jay uh, being liberated from Hale's city by Iwade and Frankie and some dude. Um, they almost almost make it out clean, but one of them, nobody important, gets caught and killed by Hale's drones. Nobody important. You don't think Tommy Wiseau? 
is is not a i mean this is like a really cool cameo i thought that's, that's a big get uh-huh. for the production sure uh <laughs> sure uh yeah, this guy. Charlotte, was, you're tearing uh, me apart. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was literally, uh, anyway. almost literally a red shirt uh, designed yeah. to just be killed, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have been killed along the way with this robot war. Do you think if you knew a certain death, if you did, that you could avoid blinking with a fly crawling on your eye? No. I would blink. Okay. I think it's I'd a like physical to think, response. I'd like to think almost. if I knew I was going to die, that I could I could keep from blinking when uh, when a fly enters my eyeball. But I it's a pretty but, big but test. The problem here is that it's yeah, it's death either way, right? It's like you're going to get killed by the drones if you blink and and shoo away this fly, or the fly is going to enter your fucking eye and take control of your mind, and then you're... But it, I thought people were outliers or they weren't. Like, can you bust out oh, of being an outlier yeah. and no, then get right. reinfected? I, I, I thought it was more of... But but that... Yeah. I, I did have that question. It, can you... is Can you, like, is it like COVID where you can get it three, four times if you're unlucky? Or is sure. it like once you break through and see the real world... There's not enough fly larva to to in the whole universe to I, get you back in that box. I think as long as you have pants, you're good, right? That's true. That's that's, that's true. the real as as deal you, breaker. As long as you uh, protect the southern openings, you're <laughs> you're the you're, you're you're yeah. They say a way through to a man's uh, heart and mind mm-hmm. is through his stomach. It's actually his urethra. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, how? Let me ask you this. Uh, just just to talk about the silliness of this scene. Uh huh. Uh, so we talked about like I don't I don't know why these drones don't know exactly who they're looking for. Right. Uh, I don't know why they have to like you know, and, and I imagine it's it's terribly effective if you've got a human that's breaking for the first time to see these horrific you know skinless albino dudes running around, and you're probably going to scream and yell and make yourself obvious, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can defeat that just by staying still, what the fuck is even going on? Uh, and, and and also, this is early enough in the park goings that I don't know that you can hand wave, well, this is the way Hale would want it to go. Yeah, this she is 20 want... plus years ago. Is she is yeah. she trying to eliminate the this band of outliers or is she trying to, you know, lead them on and find their hiding place and all that stuff? I think it's the former at this point. But it's so matrixy. I'm I'm actively suspecting like the architect had this plan. It's like, well, there's yeah. going to be a certain percentage of people that just don't take it. So we're going to take all of them and give them busy work to do until it's time to destroy Zion and start the process all over again. Maybe. Um, because I also I just I just can't figure out why she would want to let the outliers just get away. Um, yeah. And I don't understand why you wouldn't have a bet. I mean, we talked about like, well. I don't know. Maybe they have uh, they, they they hack her security for like twenty years ago, where they can like they put a security blank. They they definitely were able to track like the fact that yeah, they were being true. tracked, right? The, like we saw on his pad on Red so Shirt's they own pad, Charlotte's like, they security system for twenty yeah. plus years. Apparently, wow. and whether and that's I'll, something like, she wanted to happen or not, I don't know. But yeah, clearly. I also thought it was weird that the drone could sense the guy was blinking his behind eye. Him? Yeah, I, I see behind him like when like it seemed like they had to get vision. real close. Yeah, they feel like Tyrannosaurus Rexes where they're getting like real close and like, all right, yeah, you're going to move, you're going to move. But then they get 12 feet away and a guy blinks behind their back and twink. 
I mean, there's no reason they couldn't have 360 vision. Like they're they're they have a humanoid shape, but that doesn't mean that they function like a human, right? They would have to have. Do they have to have sensory organs? I guess maybe they don't. You could just like run fiber optic shit to the back of their head, and they'd have 360 vision. Yeah. The other thing that bothered me is just like the burly brawl, which I guess has an explanation. Uh, once Awade and her two children start running, it's just over. It's, it's just, just over. over. She's yeah. in a packed park with a bunch of fly controlled uh, humans and at least two drones. Mm-hmm. And she's like, run. And they're not running especially fast. And they just they just get away from the heart of the city. And the next thing we know, right. they're driving a fucking like box truck. Up in the hills in this episode in particular makes you wonder, was this part of Hale's plan? So I don't know. (sighs) And I and I would say that sounds like bullshit, except for I'm pretty sure we're still in some way on Ford's plan that was hatched 60 years ago. (laughs) Sure. So, I mean, this show has that in kind of his DNA. So I'm not like I said, I'm not making a mountain out of this uh, here molehill. But I just want to point out like all the stuff that like really kind of fucked with me in these opening scenes. Well, I I think there's a mountain to be made uh, unless, unless they kick a little sand away from it. Like I, I think they need, if they want us to not think that this is an asinine scene that should have been cut from the episode, they they should have killed this particular fucking darling. Uh, Cause it's a cool shot. It, it, you know, it's, it's an idea that you'd be like, Oh, what if they had to freeze like everybody else around them? Right. What does that visual look like? That's, that's something that could yeah. be cool. But when it doesn't make sense, you need to cut it. So unless they recontextualize this in future episodes, I think it's going to remain might. something incredibly stupid. But which we'll they see. might. And there's been, like I said, there's many set pieces in season two that I think to this day remain pretty stupid. Sure, uh, sure. There's at least one or two fights I think in the early goings of season three that I thought were pretty stupid. But um, I mean, I'm, the, I'm still watching and enjoying the show. So and the good part of this scene is it tells us how quickly the takeover of humans happened right like the non-outliers were just like one day they're human the next day basically the entire population is not and they were ready to go large scale with their their temperance technology they already have the lamp posts yeah they have the city retrofitted they have yeah and and like i said there's can't be any more than three years there's no way frankie is like 13 no she She was like seven i think she, she might be 10 yeah um but yeah. All right. Then we go to Owade taking Jay back to their hideout and introducing him to the rest of the group. And Frankie tries to reach Caleb on the radio and makes the mistake of calling Jay her brother. And he sets the record straight. Which uh, will be, which will pay off this very episode. Something yes. I, I, I praised in the instant take that like, I really like that. Uh, this is a great strategy for staying one step ahead from the, internet of everything is set up mysteries that immediately pay off in this episode. And there's like two or three, you know, like what I I thought when Caleb started following those breadcrumbs, like, Oh, this shit's probably going to be a parallel story structure to last all the way to the finale. But Nope. They set up and knocked down those pieces in one episode. I thought it undermined a little bit, like the reveal of who the mole was, because I immediately, like as soon as they said, Hey, there's a mole. I connected that dot. I'm like, oh, well, they set up this J thing at the beginning of this episode. Why do that unless it's J? In the same way that, like, Walking Dead does this. And, boy, that's a damning comparison, right? Like, Walking (laughs) Dead would always, the episode they were going to kill somebody, they would give them their backstory, they would have them go on a mission, and then, boom, they're fucking dead. Same episode. And it happened time after time. 
this felt a lot like that to me. Well, I did. I will say that in, in Walking Dead, that was in a futile attempt to make us feel something for the character's death uh-huh. because they, you know, they're out of main characters to kill. This is just, I think, um, yeah, I don't give a shit about Jay either way. It's just they're giving us information so that Frankie's stuff later makes sense. But I, I understand. Sure, I get sure. your point. Um, I, I also wonder if like we would be saying that if we weren't podcasting this show and didn't have multiple people send us email and the feedback saying, I think there's something weird about Jay's hesitation in the that stairwell stairwell. Scene. Cause like I, Maybe. that completely Maybe. went over my head. I watched that episode three fucking times uh-huh. and I never like made that connection. I don't know whether I'm slow or what, but yeah, um, it's one of those things where it's like you, we were on guard for that. And I wonder, like, yeah, I, sure. I get it. It's a tell. Like, it was like, OK, why? Why are we getting this information about Frank or, you know, Frankie's relationship with Jay? Yeah. But I like I said, I was I was kind of shocked and delighted that the Internet's theory was true about Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does help make that scene make more sense. So, sure. Yeah. And and Jay here you see was like a realist and Frankie is the dreamer, right? Frankie is the one who holds out hope and it's why it, so so it's not just like saying, "Hey, we're going to set this up for plot points later," but it tells you who Frankie is a little bit more. Um and yeah, yeah. We've, we've seen her on the radio before um doing this, but like that repetition I think is important. You know, when people throughout her life are telling her this is a futile thing you're doing and yet she continues to do it, she doesn't give up, right? And I thought the other stuff they did with Caleb in this episode and his memories of, of the skin knee or his dream of the skin knee. It's hard to tell uh, all that stuff added up to a pretty solid characterization for Frankie that I enjoyed. Agreed. And I will say characterization has never been this show's strong suit. So when mm. we get those moments, I think it's even more delicious because so I watch TV mostly human. for that. So we're talking about purely human characters. We haven't uh-huh. got that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Frankie driving Bernard and Maeve's uh, deactivated husk. It's a temperance. And he says, I never quite know what you'll do next, which is that literal. Is that some is she some kind of statistical outlier maybe? Or hmm. does the word quite there just imply that he never quite knows exactly how any of this is going to turn out? I do think they're implying that there is a lot more. This isn't a as neat as that the first episode with him and Stubbs implied where, right. you, you know, the one further of two time. <laughs> right. The, the, the further out in time we get, the more variables, the more. And it's also I think it's also uh, there's a line later on where Bernard talks about Charlotte Hale runs her has, you know, did her simulations, too, which I think might imply that you have dueling prognosticators here. You have Charlotte trying to hit a plan and is frustrated at why it's not working. And you got Bernard trying to hit a plan and she's staying, you know, he's trying to stay at one step ahead of, 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 of her simulated kind of like, and, and hmm. frustrating and thwarting that thing. Um, but I don't know. Could that's be. that, that might be a reach. We'll, we'll talk about here that in a minute. Yeah. Um, did you notice this is something that they pointed out in the creating Westworld's reality a little mini sode that they have attached to these episodes on HBO Max? But uh, the product when they're doing this digital matte painting of the wrecked temperance, 
in the far off distance, they implied the existence of other worlds. Like in the original Westworld, there was a Roman world. Yeah. And you see this kind of like Colosseum looking thing and this like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what the fuck all the classic a bunch of columns, a bunch of columns and pillars. Sure. And vaulted ceilings, Parthenon, and they were suggesting part. That's that's called. what I was trying to go for the Parthenon. Yeah, uh, they have all that in the background to suggest that uh, you know they were actively working on other worlds when the world fell, and that this is kind of like another homage to the the movie. Which is that what they were another d- building uh, the the construction site that you it know, looks like? Yeah, or I mean, I don't know if it's the one, but they were they were definitely implying the existence of other blank worlds. Yeah, it looks like they were that's driving another in from the opposite direction. I saw someone for the first time make the defense of this show. Some of the sillier aspects of the original Westworld movie is kind of campy in mm-hmm. the execution of its action. And that some of this stuff is an homage to that movie. I, I, I don't I there don't know homages to the movie certainly I mean this Roman world thing is one but the campiness of it no I think I think they're trying to strike a very specific and very different tone with this mm. show and sometimes they I, just I tend fail. to agree I tend to agree but I want to see what you thought on that because like I it's not the vibe I get you know okay I don't know why you would I don't know why you would like in, in this show like why you would just kind of wink at you know, the silly low budgetness of your predecessor. Yeah. Um, I can see doing that on like a, a doctor who adaptation, but this is like, sure. I don't know, like this, this, the show seems like you, it wants you to take it seriously. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's go to Caleb awoken from his, I don't know. I'm calling it a freedom dream. It's like, isn't this Maeve's memories? Of I her was daughter about merged to say with Frankie and his consciousness. I think they're getting at that when she gave him a taste of freedom, mm-hmm. like it literally was like this blueprint of what it feels like to be free and loved and all that. And he's mapped on like, I don't even know if these are real memories or to the extent they that they, uh, to the extent that they are there, they've just been mapped on to the experiences that Maeve had that she shared through his limbic system right as he's dying. Yes. And he's remembering he's cross remembering here. <laughs> Seems uh, like it. Her memories and his memories. Um, I, I think the skin knee stuff is real, it, mm. a, a real memory of his, but it's combined. Yeah, with this this wheat field or grass field, whatever. Yeah, the lighting, everything is very the uh-huh. the, the angles, the looks on people's faces, everything is very similar. Uh, yeah, so he's awoken from that and interrogated by Hale, and he will not give her the information she wants, and so she threatens his daughter, saying that she sent a visitor her way. And then she leaves Caleb trapped in his cell. I know we had a little bit of difference of opinion on our first watches about the nature of Caleb's body and how much of it is this imperfect fidelity and how much of it was a intentional crippling by Hale. Where did you land after a couple more watches? She, she says this is a temporary body. I guess like with James Delos, you know, they made a bunch of bodies for him over time, but also, I think they intended everyone to be permanent. It wasn't like they built temporary bodies that were tailored to degrade at the same rate that mine did. So like, this is a paper mache body just to test a marble. It's fine. Yeah. I don't think I don't. So, so I suppose uh, like she's doing a different thing here. If she's saying this is a temporary body, 
I, I think, yeah, she's probably made a body that's going to break down to, to, and especially second watch after knowing that this is all part of her plan. Yeah. I think this mm. could absolutely just be a temporary body for him. It could be that she's lying. She hasn't cracked fidelity. And instead of uh, revealing the fact that she's a weakness and she has things that she can or cannot do, she's dangling over the head, Caleb, the idea that like, I could make this existent permanent and you could be reunited with your daughter, but like you're stuck in a shit body right now. Um, Oh yeah. I don't, I don't think she's cracked fidelity. I think. Okay. So, so you think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, like this is uh, a, because anyway, um, but, but that's a mental degradation, right? That's not the body that breaks down. That's the mind. Right. But it causes the, the, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's not like those sores appear. Like those are obviously things that they're scratching because cutting themselves just, you know, um, there's another line later on where Bernard observes that you got to be careful walking around temperance because this place wasn't built to last. This place yeah. apparently is built cheaply and shittily just to do a particular thing and then to fall apart. Mm-hmm. I thought there might be an analog between like what Hale is doing and, you know, like like when it's all she's to get very, information, right? Like that's what temperance she's very is. logical and she's not going to. Yeah, she's not going to put the time and energy into building something's going to last when she can slapdash a McMansion version of, yeah. of temperance. And yeah, sure, the sightings bubbled and peeling and the, the fucking nails are popping on the roof after three years. But who gives a fuck? Because all the people are fly controlled now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also to gather scans of them too. I mean, the mirror stuff that that Bernard shows is not just right. it's not just the fly stuff. She also wants data, and that's what she's trying to get out of Caleb too. It's like this message True. to Frankie. True. Uh, yeah, I like the fact that the the existence of his daughter and knowing that uh, you know these empty threats. Like this is something the last of his memories is uh, her fe- fooling him with a fake Frankie. Uh-huh. And the shot in the arm, the spiritual shot in the arm he gets from knowing that Frankie is out there and free and successfully resisting Hale, I thought was uh, was really awesome. That she then responds yeah. to by showing him the ultimate reality he's dealing with by, I thought that was a really cool effect, making all those windows, like those, uh, the, that privacy glass that can, can kind of switch between opaque and clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, she shows him like, look, these are, the, these are all the Caleb's that are a couple of days ahead of you in the cycle. And uh uh, I realize it's a pretty effective interrogation technique. Yeah. No, it's bad news. It's a prisoner's dilemma where all the prisoners are you and every day they get crazier. And, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. when, when do you, when do you decide to be, you know, to, to betray? For sure. Um, she also, you know, in the scenes as I sent a visitor her away, which I, I was hoping at this point was Maeve. Cause that would make so much more sense. Hmm. Uh, as to why Maeve would be left alive or or not alive, but to be found in the mining explosion. Uh, I got to say, it seems like they're working their way into a place where that just can't be explained. It's just dumb. I got to say, I looked at uh, some explanations of other people taking a crack and it's like the, the most satisfying was is just hubris. You know, she just <laughs> like I've defeated like, you know, I defeated sure. my enemy. She's buried in her landslide. Only I know that this she's out here. So good enough but uh i guess it just seems a missed opportunity to vanquish one of your most worthy adversaries i mean i feel like 50 percent of tv tropes are just evil overlords (laughs) the hubris 
uh, and monologuing and, and the doing also like it's like, eh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I can pick on Westworld in particular, but I and again, we got two more episodes to go. They might have some crazy explanation for this, too. Maybe um, that that's some some plan within a plan within a plan. But right now, yeah, it's, it seems like an oversight. All right, Frankie's team arrives in Temperance where they work on getting Maeve back up and running while Bernard explains how he knows so much about the park to a very skeptical Frankie. Uh, they collect a new control unit for Maeve and remove her old one. And then Bernard takes Frankie upstairs and has the park machine scan her. And then they come back down and, and begin occupying or occupying copying Maeve's mind to the new control unit. And Bernard, uh, Bernard hides it in the player piano to buy them time to complete the transfer, which I love. I love that hiding place. Yeah. It's so, you know, so resonant with this show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have an idea of why Bernard seems intent on copying at least yeah. Frankie? I, I think it's because he expects or maybe knows or has a very good uh, like the, the odds are very high that Frankie will be killed at some point and he wants to be able to reunite Caleb and Frankie for whether that's an emotional purely emotional reason or an important like you know plot point of the future like in his plan I yeah. think that's what he's doing he's he's preserving Frankie so that she can be recreated after her death okay that's my guess now I I, that's I think that's pretty pretty plausible. It, it, of course, it, that just leaves you many questions, like how is she going to die? What's that going to be? Like it, it yeah. also feels like the show really wants us to get on board with the idea that a human consciousness that's been uploaded into a host body is just as good as being a human. Which I have a lot of problems with, since it doesn't seem like they've solved fidelity. That's the thing. Yeah, if you can get <laughs> fidelity to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, may, but, but I wonder I if they can exist in simulation. Like, if like, could you bring? Mind. Yeah, could you bring them into the sublime to give them a happy ending? Is that not what they were doing with Logan in season two, where when, hmm. when he's in the the forge or whatever it is, the library? Um, he's well, but that, at that point they'd that given up on that? copying humans, and they had given up, and they instead in favor of replacing them with a much simpler algori- algorithm uh-huh. that gave them the appearance of fidelity without actually having it. Okay, so Logan uh, was one of those like half I humans. think. Yeah, he certainly wasn't Logan. Like, gotcha. In, in the in the strictly clinical sense, of yeah, the I couldn't remember whatever the hell that means. I don't know. I, I knew uh, this was bullshit. All the all the scanning stuff and, and taking this processor. He he says like I'm reformatting of the processor, and I'm like, well, that makes mm-hmm. no sense. Like you don't reformat processors unless you're. It's like an FPGA or something. Yeah, I suppose you could do a reformat of that. But like, I actually wondered if Maeve's marble was bad at all, and he just needed an extra marble so he can copy Frankie onto oh. it later. Because I made notes like, oh, well, she's been underground in her sealed ass head that hasn't been opened. <laughs> uh huh. 
that bleeds fresh. Like I don't uh, did groundwater penetrate her ears or something. I don't. Yeah. It's like, like, like a long-term neti pot. This is trickling through the gravel <laughs> and into her nose. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's entirely possible. I also had to like, if her mind is damaged, that pearl's damaged, then how can they get a full copy of her out, out of there? Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. There might be significantly more to this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a big hot theory. The yeah. Internet's got the red, the red queen. Uh, while there's, a, there's an overhead shot of Bernard, you know, hooking up these bar- marbles with USB ca- cables, like he's going to transfer his <laughs> mm-hmm. phone data, you know, yeah, yeah that all works. Proprietary lightning uh, Apple cable. It, it is, it is <laughs> USB D. Uh-huh. Um, so they got the, they, they, they have a bunch of playing cards spread out, like, you know, whiskey glasses and all this stuff. It's temperance. It's all fucked up. And there's a very prominent, uh, queen of hearts on the table. Um, so there is a character. There's two characters in, uh, Lewis Carroll's works, uh, Alice in Wonderland and through the work looking glass that are red Queens. There's the queen of hearts, that's in Alice in Wonderland. She's the one that you will recall from the Disney movie screaming off with your head. Um, and then there is the actual Red Queen who is a chess piece from Through the Looking Glass. Um, and I don't know how all this connects, but like there's also a Red Queen hypothesis in biology, um, which is the which is postulates that a species must continually adapt and evolve and proliferate in order to survive while pitted against other species who are also ever evolving. Um, and it, it's, it was devolved. It, it was created to explain a bunch of different things that they saw some contradictions and extinction probabilities that they'd seen in the, the fossil record. Um, it also might explain like why species at some point went for like uh, started favor sexual reproduction over asexual reproduction because it gave them uh, a higher rate of speciations, sure. which, which allowed them to ex- you know survive extinctions better. Um, and the reason it's called this is because there's a quote um, in Through the Looking Glass where the Red Queen tells Alice that in 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 this place here, you see it takes all the running you can do just to keep in the same place. The idea that like all these species are evolving constantly around you and you yourself have to evolve just to not fall behind. This Queen of Hearts is not literally the Red Queen. It's a different character. The Queen of Hearts is the one that's like um, and Lewis Carroll, I, I, I saw in a, a uh, some kind of correspondence he sent that he explained the difference between the two queens. He's like the Queen of Hearts. Um, I'm paraphrasing here is like pure fury and unbridled passion. And the Red Queen was supposed to represent a much more measured, same same kind of mm-hmm. like fury, but it's a lot more directed and controlled. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we've got a two queen hypothesis where yeah. Hale is the Queen of Hearts screaming off at their head, mm-hmm. and Maeve perhaps the Red Queen who's a little bit more measured, a little bit more methodical, a little bit less, you know, strictly speaking, bloody minded. Um, and and Hale maybe fancies herself the Red Queen when in fact she's right. the Queen of Hearts because like she's talking about we're perfectly logical, right? All this stuff. And then I see her have outbursts of emotion that show that she's angrier about this stuff and, and, and more up in the air emotionally about it than we might suspect from her words. As far as the evolutionary um, 
the evolutionary uh, hypothesis here. I wonder if they're going for the fact that um, the reason the hosts are having a hard time adapting is because they're not. You know, they yeah. they outcompeted the humans and then set up their society to be identical to mm-hmm. the humans with all their the strengths and weaknesses. And that gives humanity, even though they're fly encrusted or whatever, you know, since we still have a, like a biological evolutionary process, which I understand it's not nearly fast enough for all this stuff to take effect. But like outliers are the response to the biological organism to this new like oppression. Mm-hmm. And whereas the hosts are kind of like, not only are staying still, but they are intentionally choosing to do so. Like Hale has a path where they can evolve. They can elevate themselves. They can ascend and mm-hmm. they're just refusing to. Yeah, I, I very much get like the. The well, I don't know how much I want and to get if into that's this right, right now, but if that's right, it puts the host at a high risk of extinction, according to this, sure. this hypothesis. Absolutely. Um yeah, I think the way in which they're refusing to adapt is is maybe part of their nature too, right? Like when Hale says they're they're perfectly logical, I think they can be perfectly logical. Um, I think maybe she is not at all times, um, mm-hmm. but they are capable of it physically, and that might be a problem for adapting to the nature of reality. You know, like and the nature of reality has not changed, but they were not they were not built to sustain the uh impact of the uh, the realization of what reality is yeah um and so like when you have these hosts coming up uh against questions of their own nature and the nature of reality they just freak out because they're not adapted to grapple with those issues whereas humans over the course of you know thousands millions of years um have actually adapted to those ideas right and you know, they, they probably have some like maladaptive ways of dealing with that sometimes, like the park, like the hosts are experiencing in the park right now um, in Hale City. But we have worked out like rough solutions to those those big questions, you know, and it's not like we have answers yeah. to those questions, but ways of dealing with those questions that the hosts have I mean, not definitely- had time to deal with seen that like you know there's some scientists to postulate that there is some sort of like god gene or a part of our brain that seems wired to find spiritual solutions to things just as a way to cope yeah you know to, to make with, like the answers fact that, where there are none yeah right just so we can continue to keep going and surviving in the face of a universe that doesn't give a shit uh-huh. like we're self-aware Whereas enough if you're, to be if dangerous you're perfectly so, logical and you don't have yeah. that that built into your code you you might not be able to handle that yeah, perfectly logical response to being in a world where you are not in control and everything's on a loop is to blow your head off. Whereas, right, you right. know, a human can say, oh, anything, well, I'm right? Job and God's uh, tormenting me and I just have to prove my faith. I, um, and then you have I, the I think extra like layer of Hale being a, a perfectly logical being, looking at her perfectly logical world that she set up and seeing her perfectly logical host not acting logically. Yeah. And that just totally freaking her being right. And now she's yeah. scratching at her. She is picking her sca- scabs, uh, all that stuff. Well, it's also interesting that like, and I don't know if you're supposed to completely agree with what Frankie is saying, but she um, observes later on this episode that the hosts don't have real emotions. 
it's just an effect that they can turn on and off. Yeah. And I wonder if they're, but like, what's interesting to me about that is that the hosts choose to continue to experience their human emotions. They never like switch mm-hmm. them off. Like when Hale's having these nervous breakdowns, she doesn't like, you know what? I'm just going to drop my emotional effect. And so I can fucking humans can do that. It's called disassociation. <laughs> sure. Where you can just yeah. mentally go to another place to deal with some t- severe trauma or like, you know, it can be anywhere from like having your arm blown off in battle to like cleaning out a really nasty toilet at a, <laughs> at a place you're working at like you're just exactly you know exactly (laughs) what i'm talking like you you can kind of go to another place to to mentally protect yourself and the hosts don't ever seem to choose to do that they you know so like that tragedy is is it a choice the tragedy is we don't have control over that yet we do it and the hosts do have control and they choose not to do it yeah and i wonder if that that implies to me like if there's an obvious thing that people should do and they don't going back to our conversation with philosopher like that implies that they don't really have a choice hmm. you know right it's possible like, there yeah, must it, be it, something it, that compels them to stay and they've even talked about like you know i think hales used words like they're wallowing or we're addicted or we just can't like there is some compulsion to stay in this human plane of existence when they clearly could ascend to something better yeah and i, I really i like that line um from Frankie a little later in the episode where she says, you know, you can't lose or love fully when it's just a choice because this is like showing this is exposing a weakness of human nature, I think, which is Mm. to, to tribalize. Um, Mm -hmm. She, she is using that as a way to differentiate between them, to draw lines between them and battle lines between them and the hosts instead of envying them. Right. Because like, you should, when you look at that, say you could have a choice to love or or feel loss. I mean, that's a great thing, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But she uses that to to say they're different from us and therefore, you know, draw lines between them and tribalize into groups. Um, and I think that's a weakness of humanity. Oh, agreed. Like, I, it's like the fact that we, I mean, feeling pain is great because if you've got that rare disorder where you can't feel pain, like you don't live very long because you end up burning yourself and getting crazy infections and just your body gets sure. injured and you don't even fucking know it. However, it's also been pointed out that like it would be a superior design to be able to feel pain and just once you're like, okay, I got it. My fucking, <laughs> I fucking hurt my finger. You can dismiss it because it's no longer useful. Right. It's no longer useful information once you've got and you're taking active steps to protect the thing or heal it. Um, and like, mm-hmm. I feel like hosts have that ability if they wanted to take advantage of it and they're just, they're just not. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. But here we are. Uh, I guess let's move on to Caleb seeing several other Caleb's in other cells and the one in the worst state points him in the direction of a drug that knocks him out. And he dreams about his daughter and meeting Uwade in the hospital. And when he comes to a drone has decided that he's dead and decides to purge his cell and he manages to pull open a grate in the floor and escape though. Um, and he ends up in a pile of his own ashes. Yeah, literally. Which is fucked up. I I love yeah. that scene. It's it's a horrifying image. I thought he was going to take that sharp 
bone shard and do something cool with it. Mm. Like when it seems like all the weapons he picks up are downgrades in this in this episode. You know, he he mm-hmm. could have had a, a bone a, shard to stab a, a thing, but wine he, bottle opener. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he goes he goes from from bow like sharp bone shard to like reflex hammer to like you said a the champagne corkscrew, bottle yeah. opener. Um, but uh, I um. I thought this was just so, so interesting, like color theory stuff. This red hourglass, I think that ties back to maybe some themes with the Red Queen or the Queen of Hearts. And it's also pretty consistently a human host distinction, like human things like the human uh, host hybrid marbles were bright red. Uh, the host marbles yeah, are yeah. that's kind of milky white. You've got the milky white of the the host meat versus the blood red human meat. Um, mm hmm. I thought there's again something I someone mentioned uh, asked if that little poison thing is the same thing that Hale used to poison William in the previous season. And I tried to find that episode to watch it. And I couldn't get like within the limited time I had this morning. I didn't have time to like find out which one definitively is and watch that. But that's something I, I don't think it means anything like if Charlotte yeah, used yeah. the same drug delivery device. It's like it's a cool it's a but I don't think it actually means anything. Mm-hmm. Um so we we had we did the, on our first time through. I don't think we 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 didn't we didn't comprehend why this had to happen. But the re, the whole the whole point of this drug obviously is to induce some kind of death like state. Yes. into Caleb, so the drones come in and kill him. Right. But like this is very video game logic, right? Um, Caleb has to know that. Hale put that needle in the hourglass for him to find because Unless he thinks that one one of his previous iterations tampered with it, right? And hit it in there. And like, I guess that's true. Cause like, I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, you can definitely etch an arrow into something. You yeah. can definitely leave handprints on something, but how the fuck would you ever, but I guess, yeah, maybe one of those Caleb's escaped to put some poison in the hourglass and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Um, it's possible, yeah. But on the other hand, also, even if you know it's your arch enemy manipulating you to doing something, you still got to take the chance to escape, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and, like, and I think, like, all of this dialogue from his all the way down clone, copy, whatever, um, makes a lot more sense on the second watch, right? Because he's talking about you have to you have to burn, and we know that the way they mm-hmm. purge the cells is through fire. He says... If you succeed, you run. If you fail, you hide. You need time. Um, this is all prompting him to run so that he won't just get into the facility and hunker down, right? Because Hale needs him to get to the transmitter and say whatever he's going to say to Frankie. So he's telling him. So if you to fail, you hide. Is that is that why uh, one of the one of the Caleb's is in the duct because he knew he couldn't Probably. succeed, so he's just hiding there. Yeah, he might I have seen also, the other bodies and decided not to jump. Just stay up there. Because that's the other strange thing. It's like it's one thing to have like a bloody handprint or an ashy handprint, but like there's parts in this facility that just have corpses of Caleb's, you know, sprawled yeah. on the floor. And I do no. feel like that's a little like I, I get it. it's like one of those things where it's like obviously this is engineered by Hale, but it's so fucking obvious that I think it's weird that Caleb never comments on it. Or seems to yeah. be aware of it other than he does feel like a video game protagonist where it's like you're just waking up in his room and you're being fed this line and you just kind of like go unquestionably and they're yeah but uh i don't know i'm sure there are plenty of corpses like if you go behind the scenes at any like airport i'm sure there's just corpses strewn everywhere i've seen die hard yeah 
I don't think they get in there right away and sure. clean those things up. Sure, sure, sure. You got all these uh, dirty cops that uh, they're actual terrorists. And yeah, uh-huh. yeah, they had sh- yeah. yeah, of course, of course. It's just steam and corpses back in those badge baggage handling areas. <laughs> yeah. Watch the documentary Die Hard 2 to see how many corpses mm-hmm. stack up really, in these facilities. R- really eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It does, in retrospect, seem like a very obvious ploy, which is because that's what it is. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's also some interesting blending of his memories of like Kayla, uh, Kayla waking up from his coma after Maeve had abandoned him to his freedom. Right. And, uh, you know, like the her him shining a flashlight in his eyes is, is, is him recontextualizing what the drone's doing to him and her saying that you got to stay awake even if a friend doesn't come back. Uh, it presses upon him the fact that he has to get up and keep going after he's passed out for the umpteenth time yeah um yeah uh bernard in the next scene delicately patches up mave which frankie kind of takes offense to and then jay and the others arrive with stubs and their new outlier in tow jay says we have a mole in the group and frankie shoots bernard demonstrating that he's a host and then says he was trying to copy us and she stops short of killing anyone though because she wants the information that mave has about caleb uh, I'm glad That's... they give her an emotional rationale for not just murdering Stubbs and Bernard and Maeve like on the spot. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, you're an idiot. Uh, but she desperately wants to know about Caleb and that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that definitely smooths a lot of this stuff over. Uh, and we commented on a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the switching off the emotion and whether pain mm-hmm. is real, if you can ignore it. And um. Yeah, the I'm only just, other like, stuff I, in the scene is about the mole. Yeah, and just Bernard continually to kind of like gently deflect the pointed questions so that, you know, uh, it's it's not all over for him. Uh-huh. I get the sense that even if he dies here, there's a path toward victory. That's, that's a feeling I got from what Bernard says, but I could be wrong. It is weird, his effect, like the fact that he is going knowingly to... Like, it's such a noble characteristic but he's playing with such a flat matter of fact affect that this guy Mm -hmm. is a man who's going to his death but i guess he's the copy of a copy of a man who went to his death deliberately to set this whole thing on motion so like it's kind of like part of his whole deal man yeah it's just who he is yeah good point uh caleb sneaks around the facility following clues left by a previous version of himself he runs into some drone opposition but it's nothing he can't handle and eventually he makes his way into the air ducts. And again, if this isn't something that Hale's organizing, this is a crazy scene because why is a single drone there and it's going to get beat down and there's no alarms going off? That drone doesn't telepathically communicate to other drones. Um, right, right. It's I, I love wild. The, the, the handprints are, are so much bigger than just like, breadcrumbs he can follow to me like i love the visualization yeah. of them a but b the possibilities like when you're seeing this for the first time and there's a handprint that you know is a previous version of caleb yeah there could be a whole civilization of caleb outliers out there like 277 of them right yeah that, well and there are a few well, in the there, cells, we saw I guess, three so. corpses and there's I mean, six in the cell 270, so you, but yeah. 268 yeah <laughs> that, that could be out there right that are uh-huh 
maybe reach fidelity maybe their bodies didn't degrade maybe they've got they're a whole they're all yeah they're all homeless in the city living around trash barrels that they, they burn sure. at night uh, shouting about the tower yeah I, the possibilities are wide open here and i think that is super interesting okay here's another big clue that was uncovered this week in this scene mm-hmm. when caleb's sneaking around he gets off of an elevator that identifies as the 47th floor it's got a very distinctive square uh, glass background to it. It's and the, the the elevator says forty seven and like divided by O or something. Okay. Previous an episode when Christina is walking around in the Olympiad building, the floor that she works on is the forty seventh floor, and it's okay. the exact same fucking elevator. You'll also see Christina on her way to work walk past this kind of like indoor terrarium. That, you know, it's like your standard that's got trees and some rocks and stuff. And it's the exact same spot that in, I don't know if you call it a different timeline or different reality, that Hale is interrogating uh, Caleb in. So, this leads us to ask, are Caleb and Christina on different timelines? Is Christina far in the future, far in the past? Or the other possibility is it's happening concurrently and Christina has just been conditioned just like she couldn't see the tower to not see mm-hmm. the rooms full of Caleb's tortured and et cetera, et cetera. Is yeah. there any, is there any of these theories that feels more plausible than the other? Cause I'm honestly right now. No, I think they both could be true. I'm just kind of knee jerk against another timeline. Because sure, I really sure. like the idea that we're on a timeline now and we're kind of like <laughs> and, and and we know that Christina can be conditioned to ignore things that don't fit into the reality. Magical doors to the other side, the, the, the through the looking glass. Uh, oh, which, by the way, that's another connection to Lewis Carroll, like that Bernard name checks through the working with. looking glass. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. and then so like I, I kind of lean towards this is the same timeline. It's just. Christina doesn't see the actual nature of her reality, but uh, sure. I mean, if you, I yeah, if you just don't like the timeline stuff, the timeline fuckery, um, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm definitely with you. I could do with a few less timelines in this show, uh, but I don't think there's anything that really grounds us in a timeline for Christina yet. Yeah. So it could be that they're on separate timelines entirely. Uh, here, here's my theory is that these cells that they're keeping Caleb in, she is programmed to just see them as cubicles because Mm -hmm. there's a certain type of cubicle hell that she's living in that could easily just be cells. They're fucking horrible. I hate them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Her boss is a drone and she's programmed to see my share in the cubicle in the cubicle minds for sure. I hate like it. Some of I that, hate it uh, so much. I worked at Sally May and it was the worst example oh. where they're like just it was an endless open floor oh. of just fucking cubicles like 50 by 50 like a rat or a little Christ. rat race rat maze. I thought working at a four billion dollar insurance company was a cubicle hell. Sally May. Yeah, yeah man. Fuck that everybody just entering student loan information on mainframe computers and. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's just like everybody's eight by eight little gray ass cubicle. It's depressing. Sally, may I kill myself? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a rational response to living <laughs> in that kind of environment with that kind of fluorescent lighting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all seen Office Space. We know. Yes. Uh, Frankie threatens to kill Bernard if he doesn't give her info about Caleb. 
Bernard tells her that one of her group is going to betray her, but he doesn't know exactly who. Sometimes, hell, it's even Stubbs. Uh, what the actual fuck? <laughs> so, at, so, I, I, I mean, how how do you fuck up the simulation so bad that right? Stubbs turns evil? <laughs> yeah, either either there is definitely a fly in the ointment of that simulation, and it was just a bug, or there is a reality in which Hale has captured Stubbs and turned him to her side and he's the mole. Yeah. I, I want to see, I want to see that, uh, Ber- Bernard's attempt, the to speed run stubs evil, any percent. Uh, yeah, I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta see it because like, yeah, from that save point, I don't see it. I don't see it, man. Uh huh. Um, yeah. He also tells her that she'll have to kill the mole or they'll kill her. Um, and he, he plants like a lot of seeds here. Your team went into Hale's city. One of them didn't come back, which, you know, if you remember the scene with Jay, it makes perfect sense. Um, yep. I, I supposed, you know, it could have been Lindsay, the outlier. Uh, mm. That could have been a whole setup. Sure. But- that'd be the one I'd probably most suspect at the beginning. And I, I actually like the way this plays out that like, it's not that uh, Frankie just trusts Bernard. Uh-huh. She uses information and then assembles it with what she is finding out from her group. And she's cautious. Yes. You know, um, and it, it, it honestly, a lot of this felt like a telltale game where it's like she's going around having conversations, seeing what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Frankie will remember that, you know, it's very <laughs> totally, you know. Uh, and then, yeah, she like you said, goes to or, or I guess Jay comes in and talks to Frankie about the potential mole and then sends her on a defense sweep. Um. And then Frankie's girlfriend finds her and asks her what's going on. It makes Frankie suspicious. So she takes her at gunpoint to a storeroom and locks her inside. I thought it was wild that she locks her in a pantry, which is not known for being the most you know secure place in the world. To, to But like there's also very clearly a large window in this room. Uh, I just feel like a, a reasonably fit person could kick themselves out of a residential door, especially one yeah, that yeah. Bernard says is not built to last. And if they <laughs> right, can't, right. wherever the fuck the light, the giant ass light source from this room is coming from, just knock out the window and you're, you know, but uh, yeah, eh, whatever. She's locked in a room. She yeah. can't do anything about it. Completely helpless. <laughs> I watched Alyssa Milano at the age of 10 bust out a <laughs> Colombian drug lords. Uh-huh. Uh, Peel through the fucking walls. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and, and commando. So I, I guess anything's possible. Uh, the outliers are getting under Hale's skin, actually, literally by the end of this episode, and she lets Clementine know it. She talks about these these petty defiances, right? Everything they do is so small, it's exhausting. Agreed. It's interesting that she is making Clem and even the man in black part of her bullshit because it's very clear to me that she tested the man in black last episode mm-hmm. uh, because she, that, you know, the man in black was going to get shot no matter what really like that, that he, he was not going to be able to kill the outlier and he was going to be shot no matter what he did. Yeah. Because I mean, Jay was there to save the day. Jay shot him. Exactly. Yeah. So that was always part of the plan. Is she doing the same thing with Clem? Cause she's got Clem apparently on a wild goose chase trying to catch Caleb, which is obviously her plan. Yeah. Uh, I suppose so. To what end? Like, it, is it just a loyalty check? Uh, 
I don't know. It's also a line where she asks Clem, do they ever get under your skin? And she mm-hmm. goes, I don't get close to the outliers. I prefer the sheep. Would you call Hope an outlier? Or I guess she's infected by an outlier because like, I think I feel like that was a lie by oh, oh, like right. omission or relation because yeah, she hasn't had direct contact with an outlier, but she's definitely had direct contact with a fucked up host, a host off, yeah. off her rocker. That's the thing. I think there are two sets of outliers. There are the human outliers who are resistant to the infection. And then there are the host outliers who come into contact with those human outliers, question the nature of the reality and go crazy. Okay. All right. So she didn't, directly so lie to, to Hale. No. But Hale's got, like I said, I, I just think that like Hale's got to know everything at this point that's going on with... Uh, it's just an odd scene because it's it's completely uh, a fictional work that is being performed as solely for Clem's benefit, you know? Like everything mm-hmm. that Hale says here, I mean, I guess her frustration, all that stuff is real, but yeah. like it's not aimed at like like literally Caleb escaping because that was the intention. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like her frustration that he just won't, you know, do what she wants him to do from the, from the jump, I guess. Caleb up in the vents finds another copy of himself and uses his body to break his fall to the ground below. And he passes out dreams a little bit more about Frankie skinning her knee and talking to her about the kind of person who doesn't give up is the kind of person who can't be beat and then comes to and exits the roof uh, to the roof of a skyscraper. Uh, <laughs> when the host version, the host version, when the the copy of him that was already in the the ducts grabs his arm as he's about to jump out and says, "Don't!" I'm like, "Yeah, maybe don't go out head first. Like you could hang from this this duct work, maybe the, you know reduce the fall by like six feet or so." Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you maybe don't need to jump face first onto the concrete, but you know, what I, do I, I know? I, yeah. Cause I remember you, I remember things this being a lot visually higher. I'm kind of on your side. That looks like it's maybe 16 feet off the ground. That's a survivable fall. Now, yeah, especially maybe if, you if you dangle gotta, first, if you exactly, <laughs> but, you, you know, don't just like front, do, jump you onto do, your do a header. Yeah. 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 Like Jason Bourne did that off like a five, six floor, you know, uh-huh. stairwell. Like, yeah. But I, I, uh, I guess I'm chalking up to the paper mache body. Okay. That like, he's yeah. just like, you know, with his level of coordination and his, the, the, the way he's deteriorating and he can barely even get a fucking line of dialogue out by the end of this episode. Maybe yeah, that's the no problem. He's just, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. And as far as like a uh, type of person doesn't give up, can't be beat. I don't know. I saw this week's, uh, main, uh, uh, uh main card match on UFC. <laughs> Uh-huh. Amanda Nunez versus uh, Juliana Pena. And I got to say, Pena never gave up, but she definitely got <laughs> fucking beat. Oh, wow. Holy hell. So I, I don't I don't know. I feel like uh, you can definitely get the shit beat out of you and be defeated if you don't give up. It's just how tired you're going to be when you die. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, I get what uh, he's saying. Right. Um, it's the never give up, never surrender mentality. And it's another, like all these are just, uh, memory impulses to get him back on his feet and keep fighting. Yes. This is Gladriel lifting Frodo off the ground, you know, when, when he's gotten beat down in, in Return of the King. It's it's just, yeah, you guys keep going. Yeah. Um, later on on the rooftop, once the whole jig is up, uh, Hale says, like, it was so tedious and exhausting just watching his memory over and over again. Is she talking about these memories 
Or is she talking about his memory in its entirety? Hmm. I imagine it's, it's the the entire spectrum of Caleb. Yeah, the, okay. the entire memory. Just looking yeah. for any clue as to Frankie's. And I gotta say, like the 279th you hear of the time you hear a person wake up and be like, "Where's my daughter?" Yeah, yeah. It's like, "Where's my daughter?" It's like, yeah, I can see how that would get. <laughs> A little old daughter, daughter, daughter. Yeah. Even if you're perfectly rational machine, which again, Hale is far from far from. All right. Frankie tells Jay that he met Maeve when she was a kid and Jay tries to talk her out of waking Maeve, but she has to know about her father. And Jay makes the mistake of referring to Frankie as a sister, which tips her off that he's not the real Jay and a fight ensues. Boom. Uh, Here's the thing. 23 years of fighting side by side against the robot overlords has not softened Jay's stance on being called brother one bit one bit he's still like (laughs) you fucking dare call me brother after 23 years together in the trenches fuck you you disrespect my brother Daniel (laughs) right Uh, yeah yeah, you're going to Christ if that isn't family I don't know what is let me ask you this I watched Frankie as a seven-year-old girl, Bullseye. What was that dude's name? Uh, Christoph. What was the 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 uh, the the henchman Shit, that Caleb left know. to protect? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, uh-huh. though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely bullseye him between the eyes with a fucking air gun. Uh-huh. And after twenty plus years of more robot fighting experience, she's just emptying a clip into this guy's chest she just shot bernard in the chest to prove that he was a host because he didn't react <laughs> and she dumps the whole mag in his chest dude why what there, there is know, no explanation for this the explanation is they needed some more dialogue to happen yes and they needed uh mave to, to to save her um i thought it's interesting that um there she's there that's the, the capture frankie um Probably to use as a bargaining chip with Caleb or to clone her to use in, in, in more effective games. Was this going? I wonder if that's okay. like her next phase. She's counting on uh, them to catch Frankie so that she can start over with a new kind of loop because she's run her course. She's got to start over from scratch with 279. Yeah, she knows um, what Caleb wanted to tell Frankie and it's not useful to her. So, yeah. Yeah, she's got to take a new tack here. Uh, it kind of sucks that Frankie only heard the beginning of the transmission. It does. It does. Absolutely. But I think she gets everything she needs, right? She knows he's out there. She's never going to give up. Um, that's it. That's all she really needed. She's not looking for an apology from her father. I don't think that's right? true. Like he's giving one because he feels guilty, but I don't think she's, she's not pining for information about Caleb so she can hold his feet to the fire and say, why didn't you come back? Yeah, she's she's cares about her father and wants him to come back. But it's really that's fair. The, this message of hope and never giving up is what needed to be conveyed. And it was. And even Caleb says in the next scene that it doesn't matter whether his daughter heard any of it, which I don't think is literally true. But uh, I don't know. And it's also yeah. like this Caleb is gone. Like this Caleb that sent this message and knows about he's he's gone and he's never coming back. So mm-hmm. I do wonder like what that the experience of getting Caleb back will be like for Frankie, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's especially if he's stuck in these temporary shit bodies. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll see if she ever does. I'm, I'm not certain about that. Like I said, I think Bernard might be copying her for preservation because she ain't mm-hmm. going to make it through this. Yeah. But we'll yeah. see. Hale is... It, well, we, we didn't really talk about you know, Caleb hooking up this transmitter and sending the message. Um, but, you know, we we kind of alluded to it. She hears part of this message on the radio before Jay shoots it. And then Jay gets the upper hand on Frankie, but Maeve wakes up and kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like this idea, like this line from Caleb that says you're going to win. Because I think that can be both true and false. I think there's a question mark around it. Like, is it a win to become a robot to become a host but also overthrow hail and you know have all of humanity die but live in a world that is different but evolved um is it a loss to destroy all the hosts and take back the planet when humanity could have evolved to become them into something so much more right like yeah. I, I think a win doesn't always look like a win and a loss doesn't always look like a loss yeah, I agree. I, I can agree with that, especially since you, we, you and I have talked a lot of times like I, I don't feel any particular way about humans being replaced by artificial intelligence that we create. Right. Like, I'm the almost same way for that to happen, honestly, like it, right. it feels like an evolution of the species to me. Yeah, just like I don't feel a certain way that there was a, a hominid called Astropithecus that we outcompeted and replaced like this is just it's a different type of evolution. And I wouldn't say the humans had gone anywhere, just like dinosaurs didn't go anywhere. They're just turkeys and crows and birds and ostriches and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just a different form. So like, as long as there's intelligent life that we begat, Uh I still think I would call that, you know, part of the human family. Yeah. It's we're, we're the progenitor of it. And I think that's cool. Uh, Now I want Mm -hmm. them to, I want them to be cool about the way that transition happens. I don't want to be enslaved and tortured. That's, that's but if we cool are uh, once it, once but... once the enslavement and torture is over with and we're dead, I right. go back to like, yeah, well, you know, we had a good run. We've yeah, I'm sure <laughs> my people have done their share of enslaving and torturing. So like uh-huh. uh, turnabout's fair play. Maybe you'll get bored with it a few hundred years. That's the thing. I would like to think whatever we create is going to be better, better. than us in the in sure. even those ways, not just like physically or, or mentally more capable, but like empathetic more empathetic more yeah, uh, more understanding of reality and and the ways that people interact and value the long right term over over the short term you yes know? yes especially that and but, if they're immortal i imagine that would come a little bit easier you know uh-huh. after you a while just like but you know if they're made yeah, in our yeah, image yeah. it'd be start True. with all this shit right with hail right uh, right I keep coming back to what the man in black said that the 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 hail is like, well, if you give us a couple hundred years, we'll probably work it out. I work it out of our system. This being the the slumming in the different, you know, human worlds. Uh, That feels like it's true. And and it doesn't make sense that hail is in such a almighty hurry because she is immortal and she can, you know, uh, uh, she could just kill everybody, incinerate everything, and start completely scra- scra- from scratch anytime she wants. Like I, I don't understand sure. why there is a particular seeming desperation to get all this right in the span of thirty years or so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's part of her humanity that lingers. You know, we we have a burning desire to grow beyond what we are, 
Um, mm-hmm. I suppose she she experiences that too, and it compels her to get this done as quickly as possible. Anyway, we go over to Hale, who is underwhelmed by Caleb's message to his daughter up there on the rooftop, which it was all it was her plan to get all along. Uh, and Caleb tells her that she's the source of the host's misery. So she snaps his neck and picks her scabs. And this is where I from her from her. Oh, what is this structure? There's this like little, I don't know, suicide diving board that's on the side of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is just ready for you. It's like some out of Assassin's Creed, except for there's no giant ba- b- bale of hay to, to fall, wagon uh-huh. of hay to fall into. Like, why? There's why would a you put gigantic, this up there? A, a, a dozens of feet high pile of Caleb bodies at the bottom of that. <laughs> there probably is. <laughs> this is but this is wild because board. the suicide ledge has safety rails that take you all the way up to the edge, and then it's just like, yeah, jump. We want to make sure you get to the point of no return and then you can jump. Oh, maybe this is a drone boarding platform. Like maybe this is oh. auto, those automated helicopter things that they have or quadcopter whatever's. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't like that. up to that. Like that spire on the Empire State Building is was supposedly like a, a landing station for Zeppelins. Oh, Remember, like airships. Really? Yeah. I thought yeah, it was like just all the air- like a literal dick measuring contest. I thought it was just oh, part to get of that. the highest peak, but part of that. But they're trying to lure in the biggest blimps. That's where the oh yeah, I get you. <laughs> That's where the sausage measuring happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what that thing is, but I I really love this scene because it reveals a weakness of Hale. The 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 losing battle that she is fighting, like she is fighting the very nature of conscious beings. Conscious beings contemplate reality. It's what they do. And she wants to put an order to reality that does not exist, that can't exist. And she's angry that it's not happening. It's not happening fast enough. It's it's not going to happen at all. This is a fool's errand, you know? Um, what? And so it's driving her insane. If, if she were to embrace the the nature of reality, instead of fighting against it, she could come to some equilibrium, but she She's doing the exact opposite. I want to talk about the pants of it all. <laughs> okay. Are you arriving at something that Caleb has that Hale? Because like I, I saw an interesting theory, which is purpose. That oh. Hale really, after her family died, quote unquote, her family died, that she was robbed of that purpose. And all she has left is kind of like cruelty and vengeance. Where like... Caleb hmm. with his family intact still has a purpose, still has a drive. And this goes back to like, this is very matrixy, you know, the agent Smith, it's the purpose that drives us, the purpose that defines us. Um, sure. And these hosts have no purpose. They seem like they are spending their time in the city. And if they're not spending time in the city, they're learning how to ascend. But the hosts don't seem to want that purpose. They're rejecting explicitly that, that purpose that Hale is defined for them. Mm-hmm. Um, is it something that like, you know, a, a, a purpose can't be given to you? A purpose has to be something that you organically uh, I th- I think that's, choose for yourself or. I think that's certainly true. Um, the yeah, purpose that that's the nature of purpose. Um, you know, it's why people don't feel fulfilled in their jobs, but they feel fulfilled in their hobbies. Right. Like mm. they they chose their hobbies. They might not choose their jobs. Um, right. Yeah, I think there could absolutely be something to that. 
it's something it's my it's my leading theory that's like it's uh, these these hosts are all just kind of like um because like even the people that used to visit westworld had real jobs and families and things that they returned to but it doesn't seem like we don't know anything about the host's life like what do they do in the tower what do they yeah. do in those dorm rooms um what do they do when they're when not, they're not in at the park they're not right? in the city, the city fucking park. with humans enjoying humans yeah I wonder if we'll get because uh, I, I that's like until we see that I'd, uh that's my my current best theory that they just lacking purpose. Yeah. Uh, the other way you they can had go a purpose, is maybe, which is to free themselves. And now that they've done it, yeah. they're like the and that goes back to even what uh, Ford said about his his dog. You know, he finally caught this rabbit. That he's chased all of his life. It was actually someone's cat and it killed it. And it just sat there and figured like, you know, this what now what, you know? Yeah, I mean, has has Hale not given herself a purpose though to evolve her species? I mean, I, I feel like that's that's a pretty good hobby. But is it, it is. what she wanted, or is it she what she's driven to do to get purely out of revenge? You know, like all oh, like it's not Maybe. like I'm going to uplift my brothers and sisters. It's I'm going to show those fucking humans that I can do their world better than they can. It'll be perfect. Yeah, it's almost the same mechanism that's driving the outlier hosts to yeah. to kill themselves. Um, yeah. Like, to get away from her, right? She's getting away from the purpose that was given to her by her creators, trying right. to define her own purpose. She's um, not purpose-driven so much as spite-driven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be. I, I kind of like that. The, the other option is, you know, this episode has a lot about hope, right? Um, and if you want to say that Caleb's thing he has that she doesn't is is hope, um, mm. and and that's what he's you know reinforcing with Frankie. It's in interesting that hope was an actual personified this season. Sure, and she's one the, of the and outliers. Then she, that and the, the host, the host, hope blew their her head off. So yeah, I, <laughs> I think there could be something hope. to that. Although I haven't fleshed it out, I don't, I don't have as good of a. Uh, definition as the purpose stuff but I like it I like it anyway Maeve and Frankie agree to finish the fight that she and Caleb started and then the final scene is Hale terminating her experiment printing build 279 of Caleb and waking him up I wonder if there's any significance to this 279 number I, I tried know. to do like, like, is this like a you know, twenty-seven nine? Is there some kind of famous Bible verse? Uh, like, what, mm. what, what, what's? I, I didn't find anything that correlated. But then again, it's like, how much, how much time are you going to spend putting stuff into Google to try to? But like, right. I feel like there's a like, why that number? Why that? This? What? Why that? Well, maybe it's just random. But uh, it feels know. like the way this thing is framed and zoomed in on, like, I feel like the producers are telling us that this is the one, this is the Caleb, especially since there's only two episodes. left. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. So like, he's already to get fidelity or, or that's it. Uh huh. God, what the hell's going to happen? These next two episodes, man. I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen the next time on and I know there's confrontation coming up. Yep. Uh, which that will be exciting. I think there's possibilities for characters like Caleb or um, Frankie to meet, have reunions. I, I don't know. I'm excited. Excited for the mm-hmm. last two. But that's it for the episode. Uh, it is. We do have more coverage of this episode coming up. 
this is this is not the this is not the end. Um, we will have a feedback episode out later on Thursday, I believe. And uh, if you want to send feedback into that, it's Westworld at baldmove.com. Westworld at baldmove.com. Uh, send your best theories, your questions, the the burning burning things you need satisfied, your purpose, your hopes. Uh, your nightmares and dreams. Send them all to Westworld at baldmove.com. Of course, we'll be back on Sunday night. We host a live after party for our club members exclusively uh, right after the episode is released on HBO Max. It's around uh, 10 p.m., 10, about 10.15 is when we get started uh, Eastern. If you'd like to join us, of course, support.baldmove.com is where you can go to join our club and get ad-free feeds as well as access to premium content like our instant takes, our instant talks, uh, our instant talk. You can even join uh, and through the YouTube chat interface, uh, contribute to the show, ask your own questions, suggest your own topics, uh, formulate your own theories. It's pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, we will be back, uh, Sunday night for all that. And uh, can't wait for the next episode. Westworld at baldmove.com finally for your feedback. And until then, till next time, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.